Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This week's episode is with Sarah Hall. Sarah is a professional runner living in Flagstaff, Arizona. In this episode, we talked about the year she's had and all the marathons she's raced. She talked about listening to her body, an idea discussed on an earlier episode with Dorothy Beale in a similar light. Sometimes, listening to your body means doing unconventional things because they make you happy and you've done the work required to get there. We talked about her approach to social media and how as a sponsored athlete, she's still able to stay true and authentic to herself. We also talked about Sarah's faith and her journey as an athlete over her career. I really enjoyed this one and hope you do too. And welcome back. I'm here in Flagstaff, Arizona with Sarah Hall. Sarah, thanks for joining today. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so let's kick it off with a tough one. Who is Sarah Hall? Um, I am a child of God that likes to run and is a mom, wife, and uh, yeah, is passionate about helping people that in extreme poverty. Um, yeah. That's awesome. So you've got, you wear a lot of hats, you do a lot of things. Um, a, quest, a topic I like to talk about on this podcast is balance or lack of balance. Um, some people feel they go all in on certain things and some people dip their toes into a lot of different areas. Where do you fall in the, um, what, what's your take on balance? Yeah, I think um, before I used to think of balance as like, trying to be kind of like a jack of all trades and like not like being well-rounded and stuff. But I think um, I've kind of evolved in my thinking of that where it's like, I don't want to just be kind of like mediocre in a lot of things. So it's like, but then how do you, you know, go all in in your sport if you're also a mom and also care about other people and all these things. So, um, so yeah, I I guess I don't know the answer to that question necessarily, but I think I'm trying to just be pretty all in, with the thing I'm doing at the moment mm-hmm. and then um, trying to get better at like turning it off, you know, so yeah. that I'm like present with my kids and I'm not like busting out a core workout when I'm supposed to be like having quality time right. with them or something. Well, cool. So right now we're two weeks out, what, two weeks out from race day? Uh, Yeah. Well, or... a week from Sunday. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so you're in between Berlin and New York. You raced Boston this year. Um, a lot of people wrote in with questions about, you know, what are you what are you up to? And I'll preface that with um, a previous conversation I had with Dorothy Beale, where she talked about uh, listen to your body, and listen to your body means a different thing for everyone. For some people, it's resting, 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 and lots of rest. For others, she's running five I don't, I don't know five marathons this year, so for her listen to her listen to your body is really listen to your soul and do what makes you happy so where 
first where did the the idea for racing a couple of high profile marathons come from and then um where are you from a um for lack of a better word like stoke factor like you seem pretty pumped about it yeah um i like what dorothy said because yeah, I think it can go both ways. Like, I think we think li- listen to your body is like a conservative right. thing, but I think it can also be a aggressive thing. Like, right. you're like, I know my body can handle this. Like, and even if it's really unorthodox, like, I know my body better yep. than anyone. So I would say I fall, I'm falling in that category with like what I'm taking on right now. But for me, it's, it's kind of just become normal to race um, within five weeks of a marathon. I've done that every marathon except for one that I've done. Um, it was kind of a inadvertent thing. Like my first marathon was like a total disaster and I was, I was really wrecked. It was really hilly and hot and, um, and, but I'd done like really great training going into that. So I was kind of dissatisfied with the result and wanting to like kind of redeem it. And I'd already qualified for world cross country championships, which were 13 days later. So I, I didn't, know if I was going to do it. I hadn't really made a decision, but after the race, I was kind of like, well, I'm just going to go for it because I've like worked really hard and I, I got nothing out of the yeah. marathon basically. Um, and so, and then I ended up, um, placing my highest, uh, at a world cross and highest of any U S athlete and having a really good showing. And so it kind of just opened my mind to like, what's possible. Like, yeah. I think I normally, in any other situation would have just fallen into what Ryan did, which was like two to three full weeks off, like no running. And, and I think that that's maybe a smart thing to do a lot. Like even for myself, like I don't think it's always a good decision to keep training after a marathon, but I think it just opened my mind to like it being a possibility if, if maybe like, you've been injured in the buildup and so you haven't been running that long and you don't want to take another break because you just like started training. And that's kind of been my my experience the last few buildups I've had injuries. So I wasn't really wanting to take more time off. Got it. Um, what was running Boston like this year? Oh man, Boston was amazing. Even though it was like one of my worst marathons, yeah. it was like, it definitely lived up to like the atmosphere that I had always wanted to. And yeah. you know, that was, that was the race like Ryan always like came alive at. So right. Um, I, I already knew that going in that it would, and, and that was part of it was like, I'd missed it last year from, for injury. So this year I was like, even though I was hurt and just started running six weeks out, I was like, I'm not missing this again. Like I'm going to (laughs) run, I'm going to learn this course. I'm going to like experience this so that next time I come out, like I'll be even more prepared for it. It's such an amazing course in that it's so nuanced and if you if you do it so i live at like mile 24 oh so i run out to like 15 and back for basically every long run wow january through april and it's just like it's such a cool atmosphere like there are people out with like water stations and they're dedicating their whole saturday to like helping other people yeah um but it's such a nuanced course and if you know it you know it and you can you can rip it after mile 18 and i think that I had a conversation with Lindsay Flanagan about the same thing. She was like, those miles are fast. Yeah. Like, if you know what's coming and you know how to get to it, it's fast. So what what was it like the first time when, you know, the first 5K is downhill? Like, how did you, how did you run that? Um, yeah, well, the, 
the first 5k like i was leading the race but that was not like to try to like make a point or anything like it was right. more just like it i felt good i didn't want to like for me sometimes it feels worse to jog down really steep hills right like it almost feels like i'm breaking so i almost want to like let my legs run a little bit so i just kind of was like i want to run this pace i don't really care who goes with me like right. i'm not gonna like jog so you're running your own race a little bit, yeah. I think I have a little bit of Ryan in me too, where like, I mean, they were talking about a tailwind and right. like I'd had some pretty good workouts. And so I was like, I want to like try to run fast. Like I don't want to just run tactically. And right. and in hindsight, like I didn't have the training to handle the pounding and everything right. um, in the end, but I didn't know that at the time. Like it was kind of like set on the starting line. I was like, this could go really well or <laughs> this could be like a disaster. Like, But that's why we do sure. it, right? Yeah, yeah, it was it was an unknown territory for me, but um but no regrets. I mean, I feel like I ran it about the best I could have. So Nice. And then uh a handful of months later, Berlin. What was Berlin like? Yeah, Berlin was awesome. Um I had a lot of expectation going into that one because um my training had gone really amazing. Every race had gone really well leading up to it. It was the first marathon cycle I'd done without a major injury in 2 years. So I knew I was ready for like a, a big breakthrough in speed. It just was a matter of getting the line healthy and, um, and having decent weather. So, um, so we got that, you know, the weather wasn't amazing, but it was like decent enough. And right. so I was like, okay, like I'm taking advantage of this. Like there's Let's no go. excuses. Yeah. Like I'm doing this. So. <laughs> so the, the goal of this podcast is exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong and motivated. So I love the, the, um, what you said about, you know, you're just, you're on the start line. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, what is it about running that, that makes you happy and fulfilled? Yeah. I think there's just a love for challenging myself that, um, I've had since I was little, like whether it was like trying to smoke my family, like riding up mountain on a mountain bike, like up this mountain near our house or like, you know, I've always just loved like physical, like pushing myself. And, um, and so I, I would say that keeps me in the sport, especially cause you know, I've had a really up and down career, really rocky. And, um, but it's almost like the challenges kept me in it because right. it like, if it had just been really linear, I might've gotten bored. Right. But it was actually like, there's something about having to like pick yourself back up and like go after something that just like forms this resiliency in you yeah. that, um, that I really love. But I think too, it's, it's really been seeing improvement. Like every marathon cycle I've done has gotten better. And it's kind of like really almost surprised me where I'm kind of, I'm like, wow, I, there's like so much more there than right. I thought in this event. Like I kind of want to keep mining it out. I kind of want to keep seeing what, what's there and what I'm capable of. So is the marathon your favorite distance? Um, I, I'm enjoying it. I really like the half marathon too. I don't have a lot of opportunities to run it. Yeah. But um, but definitely the roads for sure. Yeah. Nice. Um, so you mentioned that this past year has been one of the strongest you've ever had. Um, what do you what do you think has played a factor in that progress? Um, I mean, staying healthy is the number one thing. So I had a pretty the first half of this year was not great because of injury, but then since I've been able to stay healthy, um, the last six months, like I've been able to reap kind of what I've been sowing into and training yeah. over over the last two years, it just never was like evidenced in a race because of the injuries. So I've kind of like seen myself like move the ball forward each buildup, but then before race day kind of getting hurt. So I, it was, it's more like 
um, yeah, I think I just kind of got to reap that in this last six months. Um, but also I think I even learned some things through the injuries that I'm applying to what I'm doing now that have helped me that have made me a stronger athlete in general. Nice. What are some of those things that you've, you've learned and taken with you forward? Yeah, well, one is, um, you know, I, I had a pretty serious injury back in 2012. Um, I tripped on a run and there was like a pipe sticking up out of the ground and I, um, I tripped and hit my kneecap on a lava rock and it sliced through my tendon and broke my kneecap. And, um, I was in Hawaii at the time and they kind of just stitched me up and were like, you're good. But like, actually like there was pretty serious stuff going on and I needed like a pretty serious surgery and coming back, I didn't realize how long it would take. Like it just, I lost a lot of trauma. Yeah. Like I lost a lot of strength in that leg really quickly. Um, and it's taken me, I, I still don't have it all the way back. So, um, so that actually has been a process of like figuring out cause in running, you're breaking down your body all right. the time. It's really hard to like build back muscle in an area right. when you're training hard. So, um, but actually through the injuries, I was able to find some things that have helped me, um, kind of bridge that strength gap. And so I've been, uh, I've been really more diligent with those and I think it's helping my stride a lot now. That's awesome. Um, one of the things that I love to highlight from professional athletes is the focus on easy running. So let's talk about let's talk about that. What is what does an easy run look like for you? How many a week are you doing? What's the effort? Are you looking at pace? Yeah, I, I would say that's evolved for me. Um, I, I, it can vary. Like, I mean, some days it's like, like low eight minute pace. Some days it's like under seven minute pace, even at altitude. Um, so I think I try to like listen to my body as we were saying, but, um, but I'm not afraid to push that a bit. Cause I feel like w- from training in East Africa a lot, like they do some really slow runs in the afternoons where they're running like 11 minute pace or something. But then there's very few runs in the morning. They're running slow. Like it's all pretty quality. So I kind of have learned that approach. I think sometimes here in the West, we're like, take your easy days easy and your hard days hard. And like, I think there's a value for that in some ways, but I think in the marathon, you're kind of getting used to like running on tired legs. So I'm not afraid to like push that a little bit, I think. Got it. Cool. Um, what is, what does it look like from a nutritional perspective running at the volume you're running? Are you, are there foods that you love that you save for long runs or what is, um, what's, the, what's the relationship with, with nutrition that has helped you, uh, be successful? Yeah. Um, you know, I think we, Ryan have like to experiment with nutrition throughout the years and, um, but I, I feel like my diet almost gets like more like a five-year-old's like the more I do this actually, (laughs) like less kale, more like white bread, you know? And I think, um, for me, I feel like that is working because I think like you have to balance kind of, um, you know, yeah, there's like a lot of vitamins and like, like roughage and greens, but like if you eat a bunch of that before your long run, like you're going to be making (laughs) a bunch of stuff. So it's like, it's kind of the practical side of like balancing, like, um, like what actually in practice is going to work for you. So I found for me, that's a lot more simple carbs than like I maybe ate when I was track training. And, uh, and I think that actually is a big part of like my recovery. Like people are like, how do you recover so much? But for me, I've just, um, I don't like really restrict food. Like I eat 
what my body needs and like I don't even really track my weight and I feel like sometimes when you're really trying to get to some ambiguous race weight before a marathon like you're going in really depleted and then you're not coming out of it maybe as well that makes sense um what's it like living in Flagstaff um I've had a lot of uh I've done a lot of podcasts with people in Boulder and they talk about the sort of Boulder bubble and the culture of excellence they have there in, in Boulder uh it seems pretty similar here in Flagstaff so what's What's it like living amongst uh, athletes, you know, like yourself and and other high performing athletes? It's fun, yeah. I mean, Flagstaff is pretty sprawling, so you don't like run into people all the time unless you meet up. But um, but yeah, I mean, we have an incredible amount of um, just I mean, probably have the most pro runners of anywhere. Yeah. I would I would think I'm not sure, but um, but yeah, I really enjoy the social aspect as part. You know, I train alone mostly, so that's been a a change for me because I was always on teams and really loved that part of it. But, um, but it almost for me is, is easier when I have, um, kids and stuff just to have my running be very focused and very like what I need. So I do, um, mix in probably the most with Rachel Schneider, actually, who's it's funny. She's like mile 5k, but she's really strong. (laughs) So she can do a lot of my, my long stuff. And then she really pushes me on the short stuff. So, and just really enjoy like, running easy runs with her and stuff too. Nice. Um, let's talk about the first thing you said was you are, was it, you said you're a child of God. So faith plays a big role in, in your running. Um, I've had a few other guests on the podcast that have talked about that as well. What's, what's your relationship with, with that related to running and related to life in general? Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in, in a faith, centered home, but I, I definitely have been on kind of my own faith journey and it's looked a, really different throughout my life. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, my faith has been massive in my running in that for a long time, I based a lot of my identity in success and it was very, um, my self-worth in like, like trying to meet others approval and stuff that right. was kind of all wrapped around success. And I had pretty much like only success early on in the sport. And I didn't realize like how much I built my identity around that. And it really took a lot of failure for me to, um, to be like, no, actually like I am worthy of love. And like, I have an identity outside of what I do, you know, like running right. is like what I do and like, I love it. And it's a gift I've, I've been given to enjoy and stuff, but it's not, um, and then getting away from having um, my self-worth kind of hinging on that really freed me to take big risks in my running and, and not fear failure. Cause I kind of, as a result of, of this, like started to really fear failure. Cause it was like all of a sudden there was all this on the line every right. time and try not to like let people down and all that. So what was the turning stone for that? Um, you know, I would say some of it was learned in college. Cause I think that's where like, like in high school, it's like you're just running for yourself more or less. Right. Like it's like fun. But then in college, all of a sudden you're on scholarship and you have all these expectations. And it's like you have like if you're not meeting those expectations, there's more pressure. Right. And, but um, but really it was in Mammoth was the turning point because that was kind of where my performances were like at the bottom, despite trying super hard. But um, I kind of had to just um, be, like find a way to thrive there in the midst of it. And it it was really my church there and kind of experiencing God through my church and community there that I really, um, I really got freed up from a lot of that stuff that was holding me back. I love that. I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people tie a lot of 
their identity to like earning a BQ or an OTQ or breaking four, breaking five or running your first marathon or whatever it is. Um, I had a fascinating conversation with Kara Goucher about this after she ran uh, Leadville Marathon and she's like, I got smoked (laughs) and I didn't even want to go to the the award ceremony. She was like, I thought people would laugh at me. And she's, she, what she realized was people were just happy to have her there. Yeah. And, And at the end of the day, like nobody gives a shit, like in a good way, like as long as you're bringing, you know, bringing value to the community and doing awesome things and putting yourself out there. I think that that's, um, that's all that people can ask for. But then you are a professional athlete and, um, there is, you know, some sort of expectation. So how do you, and I think that's shifted for the better in the last couple of years. Um, you look at athletes that have these massive social followings and they might not be winning. They might Mm -hmm. not even be top 10, but brands love them because they're engaging. So how has your relationship with the running community evolved over the last few years sort of within that lens? Yeah, I think I agree with what you're saying. You know, it's interesting. Um, Yeah, pre-social media, it was kind of like your value was like on a result sheet, you know, like how you ranked up. And like, and it was even for me, I was trying not to give, see my own value that way. You know, even though you're in a culture where that's what they're telling you your value is and maybe your boss even has seen it that way. And, you know, like, so... I would say it's a, it was a little harder, but now it feels like with social media and stuff, you can just kind of be yourself, right. take it or leave it a little bit more and, and realize that people relate to you even in your struggles and even more so probably. Yeah, probably so. But yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it too is, um, you know, just getting better at not listening to criticism or handling criticism. Cause you know, that's an unfortunate part of our sport. There's like there's haters, you know, right. and like, I think like Ryan did such a good job in that in his career. So I've learned a lot from him in that. In terms of um, dealing with criticism. Yeah. And then also just not even paying attention to it yeah. when possible. I mean, sometimes you can't avoid it, but right. like, um, but he was really good at blocking that out. So I learned a lot from him in that. And that's helped me just kind of be able to just like be myself and not really care what people think. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I think it's a really cool opportunity that, that, social media presents and and for amateur runners to be able to see that like people struggle and people who can run a 220 something marathon struggle as well and i think it's really it's a really healthy thing for the sport it sucks mm-hmm. in the moment obviously but um to share the to share the struggle is is you know to struggle is human and that's like the like that's our existence yeah and, and it's how you deal with it and how you present yourself dealing with it that you know makes a difference absolutely yeah so how, besides just being yourself, how are you intentional with social media? I know you have, you do have a pretty large following. So what you're doing is um, reaching a lot of people. So what's the, what's the approach that, that you take with that? Yeah, that's a good question. It's something I try to kind of pray about a lot because I think for me, I don't feel um, very comfortable being really self-promoting because right. um that feels a lot like pride to me. And to me, I see that being like a sin. So it's like kind of interesting because pro athletes, that's, that seems like kind of like a standard thing, right? It's right. like, you're supposed to like market yourself and right. promote yourself. And like, so trying to figure out how to like share my story in a way that's like, it's not all about me, but it's like, 
just trying to still put it out there. Yeah. You know, for a while I was like, I'm not going to post any pictures of myself. That feels like, like narcissistic. Yeah. yeah. But then it's like, well, it's kind of like, that's what people want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, you're also trying to like show this gear that you're right. getting paid to like right. <laughs> to show if no one sees you in it, like how are they going to buy it? Yeah, It's, it's <laughs> a tough balance because, um, I use social media a lot for work and my, my intention with it has evolved over the years as mm -hmm. well. I used to be pretty heavy on Twitter and like just using Twitter. And then I was, I started traveling a lot. And what I found is that like people love following the journey and they love following like, like I'm in Flagstaff. I'm yeah. in Boulder. I'm going to Austin and going to San Francisco. And like people just love to see the world. Uh -huh. And the way that you deliver that, you know, through stories and, and like posts, like I'll post something today from the hangover trail in Sedona. And it's just like these cool places that we get to go that not not everyone gets to see and i think that um yeah i struggle with that too like yeah it's it is about me but it's about you and it's about like sharing the like i had a pretty shitty summer and mm. i shared i i was like so open with the whole thing i went through the first loss of a family member i've ever mm -hmm. had i went through a breakup earlier in the in the year and i was so moved by how justin grunewald like mm -hmm. shared the whole process yeah and um i talked a lot with ladia gabe's friend one of gabe's best friends about losing her best friend and and i just shared all of that yeah and i i saw justin do the same and yeah you need a picture of yourself to post because <laughs> that's what gets the most likes or like whatever but i want people to see it i want people to like to get the message that like life sucks right now yeah or or did and that's okay and um this is a long tangent <laughs> but, no, no, I, but I, what I, here. I guess what i'm getting at is that like yeah there are ups and downs and like you gotta i guess post a photo of yourself to share it sometimes. yeah yeah or like for a while it was like i was okay posting the lows right but not the highs you know because right. it felt like bragging to be like i won this race but it's like well, how can people follow your journey if you're like never sharing races you win and right. you're only sharing the failures? Right. You know? And then like, if you're only sharing not... the failures, like that gets kind of like, all right, like when is this going to turn yeah. around? And, um, it's not authentic either, you know, like it's, right. it's kind of like. And then it's like a woe is me type thing mm -hmm. if you're not sharing the highs. Yeah. So it's really, I think, comes down to like, where's your heart? You know, right. like, are you like. I just want to share this picture because I look good in this or, you know, like, right. or is it really like, no, I'm just sharing my journey, like hoping people can relate, like yeah. hoping that they can connect. Yeah. So what do you wish your fans knew about you? Um, well, I guess like I was talking to a friend recently and he was like, man, you have a big following. Like we were talking about social media and he was like, you know, it's a highlight culture. And I, and I was like, yeah, like I get that. Like, and I try to be vulnerable with the, the downsides, but I'm like, sometimes it's hard to share like some of the challenges. Like right. some of my biggest challenges are like with parenting and it's like, I'm not going to put that up there because like my kids are on social media, <laughs> like they're going to read it. Think about that. Yeah. And like, and plus you don't really have like a picture for that a lot of times. Right. Like, you know, so it's, it's almost like, I think. Are they yeah, on Twitter? No, fortunately not. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I also don't want to like vent on there, yeah. but I think just like everybody else is <laughs> like probably from the outside people probably see like, Oh, you have such a happy family and everything's great. But like, I mean, there are, have been a lot of challenges with adoption as we yeah. expected there would be. And, um, and so, but it's like, it doesn't always make it on there, but it's not like 
yeah, it's it's more just like trying to be wise, trying not to expose my kids to like undue um, exposure yeah. that they didn't ask for. Well, it's funny because like <laughs> it's basically like a diary. Like your like kids could look back in fifteen years and read everything that like their parents were saying about them as babies. <laughs> yeah, I know, and it's and it's. I try to clear things with them, and obviously they see a lot right. anyways. So, but um, and so they tell me sometimes they don't want. It me to post and stuff and I don't but um but it's but sometimes I'm like well I don't know maybe they like 10 years from now will be like actually I kind of wish you had it like I said it was okay but I didn't really know or you know so 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 a couple people are curious about the adoption process and what that's been like for you as an athlete and and um now they're athletes as well what's what's the what's it what's it been like yeah um it's been it's been really amazing challenging too though um you know adoption is it's like coming out of a really broken imperfect start you know so right. it's like it's it's not happening unless there's like trauma, trauma and yeah. there's not like um it's not a happy start no and so you know it's very redemptive like our kids it's amazing to see like where they're at now like they're thriving and like That's awesome. you know my oldest is being recruited to go to college and and like she didn't start school till she was 15. So we could have never dreamed she'd go to college at yeah. that time, you know, and there's so many amazing things of it when you kind of step back. But sometimes when you're in the middle of it, um, it can be hard, just, just challenging. You know, it's not like you've had these kids with you from day right. one and like, or before birth, you know? And so it's like, it's not always, um, yeah, you're not always getting the best fresh start as you would like a newborn or something. But I think parenting in general is, is challenging. Even people that have um, biological kids would say there's a lot of ups and downs. So, yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, that one came up a couple times. And another question I was curious about is, um, switching gears completely, what is what does post-race look like for you? Post-race? Um, well, I guess it kind of depends what I have plotted in my mind for post after the race. <laughs> but... Um, I, you know, I I don't, I'm not someone that really, like I said, like going into the marathon, I'm not, well, you're talking about marathon specifically, right? Okay. Um, I'm not usually like feeling like I need to really let loose. Like some people are like really regimented and really like disciplined with their eating and everything. And they just feel like they need to like binge and drink and do all this stuff. Like, I guess I don't really feel that way because I have a little bit more balanced approach leading into it. So, um, so for me, it's more like, just trying to be more intentional with people. So going to visit friends, right. things I can't do when I'm really dialed in training. Staying like, awake past 8 p.m. <laughs> yeah, just like being more intentional with my kids, like kind of like going hiking with them or yeah. something that I might be like, oh, I'm too tired for that. Normally, that to me is more letting loose, getting to like go on an adventure somewhere. Yeah, go for a hike. Yeah. Like cool. Um, so one of the things that, has come up a lot lately in social media and just media in general is mental health. Um, how does, how does mental health and like giving grace and, and time for yourself to just shut off and focus on yourself, um, play into your, into your lifestyle. And I'll preface this by saying, so I travel a lot and I get to hear the reminder of put your own mask on before you help those around you, Yeah, which I take, literally and metaphorically every time I hear it. And it's a nice reminder. So um, I guess my question is, how do you put your own mask on first before you can help those around you? 
Yeah, that's a good um, question. You know, I think like the mom guilt thing is real where it's like there's this feeling of like you're never doing enough for your kids. And it's like and then in your sport, it's almost like there's the endless one percent you could be doing all day long. Always do another mile. Yeah. Yeah, Or like always do another recovery modality or something like. And so there's definitely a tension there where you kind of always feel like you're not giving enough to something yep. uh, or at least I feel that way. Um, but I think um, for me, it's, it's kind of, I've gotten increasingly okay with like this running thing is a season, you know, and I'm going to, I'm not going to feel guilty for being gone 10 days to go to Berlin marathon. Like my kids are with their grandparents and they're having a blast <laughs> and they don't even miss me. And like, <laughs> they're like, just, yeah, and it, but did it take a while to get to there? To get for to that sure, point? yeah. I, d- I didn't really envision myself doing training trips away from them or things like that originally. Has, that, has it evolved as they've gotten older? Is it has, has it evolved as as your own um, process around that has improved? Um, yeah, just as well, kind of both. I think just seeing how they react to things, like just checking in with them a lot and being like, oh, actually, they're fine. Like yeah. it's actually a, a win, win, win because like the grandparents get to know them more. Like right. they're getting to know their grandparents, like things like that, where it's like, actually a lot of this is like just self-imposed guilt that right. isn't really even, um, a problem. And, and that being said, like, I don't, I don't leave all the time, but it's like, yeah, I think so. Some of, I feel like I get really filled up if I can go to a race for a weekend and be by myself or be with Ryan, like that really fills me up and I can come back and I have like fresh perspective on my parenting. Like I have like renewed energy to like, do the homework late at night when I'm tired and all of that stuff. (laughs) It's awesome. Um, so Ryan's your coach, right? Yeah. What's that relationship like? It's good. Yeah. Um, he's been my coach since, uh, he retired, which is like early 2016. So, um, so yeah, I I would say, you know, it's like 95% of the time. Amazing. Like definitely (laughs) the best coaching relationship I've had. Um, but there's always that time where you have conflict and it's impossible not to bring it into practice. Like it's like, at least I'm not good at separating emotions from, you know, it's like you're going to have that, bring that into practice and that can be stressful. But I think that there's always stress, you know, on a relationship, any coaching relationship right. at times. So definitely my coach coaches his wife, his wife coaches him. Oh, and they, they say that it's, it's fascinating because they can, they can truly see how the workouts are impacting them they can, you know, you get more than just typing into a log and getting feedback and you can really read through that. For um, sure. And and really get a good, you know, you walk, see them walk in the door like, and you get them raw versus, you know, the filtered, oh, it was a great run today. Yeah. yeah felt good. Stuff like that. Um, so that's super cool. I think the best part is just like the unconditional love you have from your spouse where yep. it's like, you don't need to prove yourself to them. Like and any coach like I've had, there's still a little bit in you that like, feels like you let them down yeah. if the race goes bad feels like you kind of have to like you said like kind of put a spin on things to like make them happy but it's like ryan is like there's nothing i can do that will make him not believe in me or things and That's so awesome. that having that security like really helps me thrive i think as an athlete cool um in a totally opposite uh totally opposite what are yeah. you scared of Um, I think I probably just like the FOMO, like fear of missing out, you know, like whether it's like sport or family or like, just like, sometimes I'm like my friends that are trail runners and I'm like, 
I want to do that. And I'm on the <laughs> roads and like, you know, this, I think just like, I want to do it all is kind of my personality, which you can probably see in my racing schedule. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I would say that mainly. <laughs> so, um, that was another thing I wanted to ask about. What's it like being in Flagstaff as a road runner versus, you know, you have all these trails around. So are you doing easy runs on trails, easy trails? What's that like? I don't get on single tracks very much, but fortunately Flagstaff has so many dirt roads yeah. and they're beautiful. So it's not, not too much of a trade-off. I grew up in single track trails, so I, I miss that. Um, but, in, but for a couple of years, like my only injuries I was getting were from tripping yeah. on rocks. And so I really had to be like, okay, for this season of life, I need to like, avoid falling as much as possible right. <laughs> and that's just kind of a part of trail running a lot so um so yeah one day i'll, I'll get up into them more but <laughs> not as much do you have any aspirations to go beyond the marathon yeah i think i will i mean i'm a competitive person like i think i always want some kind of competition in my life um it may not be like going after it as hard as i am now but um but yeah i can definitely see doing some ultras and trail stuff in the future nice what what about, about, you know, the longer distance excites you? Um, I think just that challenge part, like I talked about, like just, it's fun. Sounds fun to think of like, what's going to happen in a hundred mile race. Right. Like when you get out there and it's like, or comrades or something like that, like yeah. that, that sounds really fun to me. Um, but for now I'm really enjoying like trying to get faster and like really being dialed in with that. Where are you at mentally going into New York? I feel good about New York. Um, I feel like, I can't really lose when it comes to the race, except if I get hurt. <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely trying to like make that not happen. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I feel like I already hit my eight goal for the year. I have a lot of confidence from that. And so I feel really free to take risks out there and like, um, and just really enjoy the experience, which I feel like is kind of rare to, to be able to have that mentality. You're playing with so. house money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Um, what are some tips you have for people looking to either step up in distance or run their first marathon or um, PR in the marathon? Yeah. Um, for me, it's really been figuring out like what makes you tick, you know, and even if it's kind of unconventional or like um, just finding like what makes you come alive. So maybe that's the single track trails. Maybe right. it's like find making sure you have company on your runs. Maybe it's music or like finding those things and then uh, really leaning into those. Of course, you always want to work on your weaknesses, but I think um, finding what really like makes you come alive and running. Cool. Why did you go for your first run? Oh, I don't even remember my first run, but I remember distinctly when I started training and that was the summer before seventh grade. I decided I was going to do cross country because my sister had done it and I already knew I had like running ability from soccer and other sports. And I just started running this four to five mile loop, um, across the street from my house and just tried to run it like faster every day. And just like loved that feeling of like, like having independence, being able to explore, being able to push my limits, not being dependent on a team to have success. Like all those things are like things I love from the sport, like right away. Cool. Um, what do you wish you knew in college or your first couple of years as a pro that you know now? Yeah, I think um, just as I was talking about my identity, just really having that more rooted in, in who God says I am apart from running. Um, I think I would have been a lot more free of failure and, and actually performed a lot better similar to how I am now. Cool. 
Um, what are you excited for in 2020? I'm excited for the Olympic trials for sure. Um, I'm excited to um, just keep moving the ball forward in the marathon. Um, I think I have room to improve still and I'm still just learning a lot about executing the event. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, just, I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> cool. Can we talk about shoes? Sure. What are your thoughts as a pro on what's going on in in the shoe world? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's kind of a hot button topic, so I should, probably shouldn't have been as enthusiastic with my sure <laughs> response, but um you know, I think to be honest, I feel a little bummed that it feels like kind of a distraction from our sport and performances. Yeah. Um we can't just like enjoy a performance at right. face value anymore, almost like doping, where yeah. it's like you there's always this like but what if or like how much is this affecting it or right. so for me um you know i've never run in a shoe that has a mechanical advantage or has had a carbon plate or anything and i'm sure if that technology is here to stay like that will be in my future right. but but for now i feel like the upside of it is um when I PR, like, I feel like I earned that PR, yeah. like every minute of that yeah. PR. And I'm not like, well, that was actually probably only a three minute PR, but I had springs in my <laughs> 2%, shoes. Yeah. And like, so I'm not against the shoes. Like, I feel like I'm probably going to end up, like in I the, said, yeah. like we all want to be on an even playing field, right. but I guess the upside and which I think is kind of a bummer is that like, yeah, at least for now, like I know what my performance is me compared right, to like to yourself. myself yeah. and compared to other people that ran them in normal shoes. And <laughs> yeah. And I, it was wild to see the response on Twitter um, after Kipchoge ran 159 and then the 214 the next day. Yeah. Um, and I think what a lot of people missed, at least in my opinion on the 159, is that it wasn't about the 159. Right. It was about the like, how much can we get out of the human body? And it was what you're talking about. Like put yourself on the line, get yourself in a place you've never been before and see what happens. And, yeah. and um, that weekend, yeah, that, that weekend I ran a marathon in training and I was so stoked to do it. And sorry, no, that was the week prior. I ran 22 miles with a hard tempo at the end of it. And I actively thought about Kipchoge finishing that race. And that's the point. I think that was the point of, uh -huh. of that um, exhibition. Like, put yourself out there, get more out of your body, and see how the cards fall. I yeah. Guess. Yeah, I think that's the hard part is, like, it's hard to have the discussion without people, like, reading what they want or, like, expect to read versus right. what you're actually saying. You know, it's like... We all love Kipchoge. Like, right. he's amazing. Like, no one's trying to take away anything right. from his performance. Like, and I think he could even run that time without any kind of super <laughs> yeah. shoes. Like, he's yet to look tired after a marathon. <laughs> right. Like, I've never looked like that after a marathon. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think, um, I think like hopefully wherever the ruling goes or the limits or whatever, I think hopefully we can like be able to just appreciate performances again without it always being this big dialogue afterwards <laughs> definitely so where do you think wh what's your take on on limits and boundaries and um where can sarah go yeah i don't know um it's funny because i've been someone that in at least when it comes to the marathon like i didn't think i was going to be good at it and then it was like the training kept kind of like opening my 
like expectations of myself, like to dream bigger. Yeah. And it's kind of been that way. Like even this last buildup, like I was doing stuff in training that I was like, I never would have thought I'd be able to do this. And that's so cool. And yeah, it's fun. It's, it's funny. Cause it's usually the opposite, right? It's like, you're like, you you're dreaming for for an ability that you're not at yet right but for me it's been more like evidence-based it's like i'm seeing things and i'm like okay wow like and then it it makes you dream bigger from that reality um so yeah so i don't know um what's your big scary goal oh i don't know um I don't know if I really <laughs> want to put that out there quite yet but um or what's what's your north star yeah I think just like just continuing to like find like mine out that potential. Like I think like, and for me, that's just continuing to just enjoy, um, enjoy things and be me and do it my way, I think is helping me run faster and faster so that I kind of come back to that when people are like, wow, you're so crazy. Like you're doing things so different. And like, it's fun. Sometimes that kind of makes you question yourself a little bit because you're like, yeah, maybe they're right. Like, and that person's <laughs> run faster than me in the marathon. So maybe I should listen to them or, but it's like, at the end of the day, I have to be like, well, I'm improving. I'm having more fun every year. Like I should just do what I'm doing. So. Yeah. I think the fun meter is like, you can't overlook that. Yeah. That's a big part of it. I mean, I didn't think I'd still be doing this sport nearly this long. And a lot of it is like having fun. So I'm yeah. just going to keep doing it. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's something I've talked a lot about with Dorothy about, you know, she loves to run marathons. She's run know, 40, almost 45. She's running Marine Corps this weekend. Uh, she did Berlin, Boston, like half dozen others. And like find find what gives you that joy, whatever it is, whether it's running marathons, whether it's hiking or whatever, like do more of what makes you happy. And that's that's it. Yeah, just don't take yourself too seriously, you know? I mean, obviously as the Olympic trials gets closer, I'm going to do less really crazy things, but like... Um, in general, I think just keeping that lightheartedness. <laughs> Definitely. So, uh, where can we find you on social media? Um, I'm at Sarah Hall three across everything. Awesome. So yeah. Nice and easy. <laughs> well, Sarah, thanks so much for joining today. Thank and, you. And uh, we'll be rooting for you in New York. Thanks so much. Of course. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on for the long run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. This week's podcast is with Patrick Reagan. Patrick is an ultra runner who lives in Georgia. We recorded this episode in the days prior to his third 100 miler of the year, which he ended up winning. We talked about his love for running these long distance races and why he really likes what happens beyond the six hour mark. We covered some deeper topics such as mental toughness and why Patrick loves to run and train the way he does as well as some more logistical conversations such as how he trains for these hard trail races while living in an area without much elevation change. Hope you enjoy.